Developing a coronavirus vaccine is a global industry, even if it isn't always a collaborative effort. 44 are in clinical trials, and the promise of a return to normal life is dangling tantalizingly in front of us. Investors are certainly excited, but how hopeful should we be? You're listening to the Business Extra podcast, coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is my co-host, Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mustafa. And we're also joined by the National News Editor, Rory Reynolds. Hi, Rory. Thank you for having me. So we're talking about vaccines and the, the news this week of particular relevance is that the Russian vaccine... The, the one that's in development, that's actually received initial approval in Russia, they call it Sputnik V, is going through clinical phase three clinical trials, and the UAE is going to host part of those clinical trials, the UAE being the second country after Belarus to host these trials. So Rory, your, your team, you yourself, obviously been doing a lot of coverage of the COVID-19 outbreak, but in particular, vaccine developments. So the latest on this is, as of yesterday, we know that Russia's Sputnik V vaccine will be trialled in the UAE. This is the second vaccine that's been trialled in the Emirates um, using volunteers from across the country. Um, The first one was China's Sinopharm vaccine, which is going through the stages of uh, approval and still being tested. Uh, I suppose the significant thing about the Russian vaccine, which has been um, created by the uh, Gamalaya Institute in Moscow, which worked on smallpox in uh, the Soviet times, um, is the sheer um, rapid pace of its development. Um, indeed, um, th- there's been some controversy over how how quickly it has been um, it has been manufactured and tested. But it's also given a lot of people um, an idea of uh, what might be necessary in the sheer um, speed and scale that we might need to manufacture the vaccine on. At this stage, we don't know quite what the trials will look like, but we know that they will be fast. The results are supposed to be um, due by the uh, end of November. um, And uh, we do know what it's like to involve um, volunteers from across the country. Rory, I'm wondering, I mean, your desk has been among the busiest in the newsroom since practically the beginning of the year as, you know, leading our COVID-19 coverage. What makes the UAE an attractive destination for vaccine developers? Well, that's an interesting point, Kelsey. Um, One of the reasons that uh, vaccines have been trialed here, particularly by Russia and China, is that they have by and large quite um, uh, homogenous populations, relatively little um, uh, uh, sort of variety in terms of ethnicity. Um, so you find um, the UAE, which has a population of something approaching two, uh, 200 uh, nationalities, you get people of all um, backgrounds, um, you know, ethnicities. One of the things you're doing when you're trying to check for the efficacy of a vaccine is to make sure that it, it, it is effective um, in every sort of person, in every gender, ethnicity, this sort of thing. Um, that's why... Um, countries like the Emirates were chosen. Similarly, uh, Bahrain was chosen as an extension to the Sinopharm trial, um, which, uh, which was primarily carried out here. Why, why are we so excited about all these vaccine trials, dozens going on, um, getting closer to having one that we, we know is effective, is, is because COVID-19 has changed so many things in our lives. And it obviously uh, creates a risk, a health risk. We are in the middle of a public health crisis. But economically, every sector has been affected. So the idea is if we can immunize the majority of a population in a country, 
then that means we can go back to the way we were. But as many people are saying, and again, if you talk about the, the latest news, we had the Johnson & Johnson trial paused after one of the uh, subjects got sick. We had uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson saying in Parliament, please remember these things take time. The SARS uh, vaccine it still isn't ready. It's almost 20 years. He wasn't trying to dampen uh, people's hopes, but he also wanted to make it clear that this isn't necessarily uh, as fast as everyone hopes it's going to happen. But you have on the other end of the spectrum, US President Donald Trump talking about a vaccine before the end of the year, the Russians themselves talking about vaccinations pretty soon. Um, a lot of experts are saying we could get there. So, you know, companies around the world excited to produce it, governments excited to help. But, you know, where do we actually sit right now? I think the vaccine has become to be seen as the, the golden ticket, the golden bullet to to um, to take us back to how we were before this outbreak. Um, in reality, I think we're starting to realise it is taking longer than we first thought. It's taking enormous amounts of um, uh, money and um, expertise. Um, but the vaccine is seen as the way uh, to, um, uh, to overcome the coronavirus, even if it won't eradicate it. Uh, in reality, there are other um, potential ways that we can open up our economy again uh, to get us traveling, to get us um, able to see people I haven't seen in a long time. Um, and that is mass testing um, and very rapid testing, which is something we've been writing here in Abu Dhabi about um, just this week. So um, Khalifa University, one of the, um, uh, the biggest universities here, has been trying to get the time it takes to test someone and quickly get a result as to whether they're positive or negative for the coronavirus, um, down to you know, 30 minutes or less. Interestingly, the researchers told us this week that they see um, massed and rapid testing as one of the best ways to get back to, I suppose, what we would call normal anytime soon. I mean, they spoke about um, being able to test people in an airport, even test people on an aeroplane. Um, the key to that is fast and effective testing. It's also coming up with a way of testing something that does not require a medical professional. For example, a nasal swab, any sort of injection uh, does require that. A saliva test, um, which could be inserted into something the size of an iPhone, which is what Khalifa University's um, invented, um, could make mass testing much more viable. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is innovation at a scale that's practically unprecedented and also just global collaboration to get this solved. And now we're looking at a patchwork of solutions that include a vaccine, but better treatments have brought down mortality rates, which has allowed us to do more targeted approach. So lockdowns are increasingly controversial as a way of dealing with this, which is good news for the economy around the economies around the world. And but still, the vaccine is still seen as this sort of lifesaver for the economy because so the vaccine consortium COVAX, which is backed by Gavi, the World Health Organization, the World Bank, estimates that $375 billion is sucked from the global economy each month that we go without a vaccine. So there is this sense that there's a, still an economic imperative to bring a vaccine to market. But I think we're starting to understand, too, that it's not going to be a single vaccine. You're going to have players from around the world introducing across geographies. And I think that's something that's getting lost right now is it seems to be this moonshot race. Will Moderna win? Will Sputnik win? And there's there will be no one winner. It's going to be a patchwork of contributions. Another factor, and that's a very good point you make, another factor is the time it will take to manufacture enough vaccines for everyone. Um, 
So uh, yesterday we heard the head of the Russian investment fund, which has bankrolled uh, the vaccine and indeed is trying to market it abroad, said that they would only ever have the capacity uh, to vaccinate all Russians, which is why they've already spoken to big vaccine manufacturers, big drug makers in um, India and Brazil about the need. And they were quite upfront about that. It was very interesting to, to hear them say, we have no capacity to to build, you know, to make a billion doses. We can make 100 million, 100 billion. The time it takes to roll this out, you know, we've heard people talk about, you know, various global leaders talk about being ready by the end of this year, being ready by the end of next year. Um, I mean, some estimates say, and I've just looked up some figures, you know, only 1.3 billion doses to 2 billion doses could be made ready, even all of, if, you know, major drug makers work together. So the vaccine, as you say, is obviously the uh, um, a way to return to normal. But even with all of these companies and countries working together, we may not see six, seven billion doses or maybe twice that if that's how many are needed you know, right. for a double shot um, created in the next year or two. I mean, even the White House has really only purchased enough to cover a third of the population so far. They bought from Moderna $1.5 billion worth of vaccines, but it will cover just under a third of the population. So you have to wonder then how does it get prioritized and things like that. But investors are already kind of playing and betting on sort of everyone when you look across how stocks have rallied for Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Moderna. Um, actually, a German company was the first to go public. Uh, it's called CureVac, a German biotech company, the first to go public that's actually developing a COVID-19 vaccine. They, pre-IPO, were priced at $16 a share and are now traded at, trading at about $55 a share about six weeks later, which really tells you the level of um, hope and backing from from investors on a vaccine. Despite those points we just made, there is no getting away for, from the fact that whoever creates the winning vaccine will... Reap the rewards. A- absolutely, yes. And so you have to wonder, for the person who comes, for the company that comes in second, what will the outcome be for them? And that's why there's this dynamic going on, sort of, not not really in the background, but it's it's perhaps not as loud as it might be once there is an actual vaccine uh, that people can choose to take or not. And that is a hesitancy about vaccines for the coronavirus. It isn't necessarily the same um, feeling as the anti-vaccine movement, which has been growing in recent years, um, about other kinds of vaccines. But it taps in a little bit to that of, of the worry about the health risks, about the shortcuts being taken. So you as much as everybody, again, is looking at the potential opportunity and billions are being spent in advance, there is a chance that a sizable minority will choose not to take the vaccine, which, to your point, Rory, is why we need multiple regimes, not just a vaccine regime, but a testing regime and other um, tools. Uh, and, And I think that's perhaps the biggest learning from this crisis is that it's not one thing. It's not, as you said, Kelsey, restrictions, lockdowns. It's not vaccine. It's not just testing. It's, it's, we have to have all of that working. And that's, you know, th- that's a challenge to have that at a global scale that's efficient enough that, that, we, that we have all of these going. As per usual, I, I don't think the world is giving itself, frankly, enough credit for the amount of collaboration and evolution that we've gone through in just under a year when you look at, you know, the supercomputers that have been made available to help surface research and connect the dots using machine learning, the amount of just academic papers put forth and 
made it as an open resource. I, there is sort of this humanist slant you can take when you look at it and think about just how much has changed in the last 10 months. And we continue to iterate and we continue to try to be agile in the face of unprecedented uncertainty. I do think the vaccine trials are certainly just sort of one story among so many about about this kind of theme of of 2020. What what a year. <laughs> I think that's a that's a very good point because we tend to dwell on the you know how far do we have to go and the challenges involved. Um, I mean, despite the obvious likelihood that some countries will want to be first to say that they have cracked it, that they have done this, um, there's been a great deal of generosity and th- uh, philanthropy since the beginning of this crisis with countries sending one another um, protective gear, um, potentially when they had their own shortages. And we have seen that in various countries. We've seen China, we've seen the UAE send protective gear, hundreds and thousands of tons of um uh, of aid and things to help other countries that can't afford that fighting the uh, the pandemic, probably in more difficult circumstances, despite perhaps the, the tendency to be nationalistic at these times and for countries to want to look after their own people and also race as fast as they can to get their own vaccine and be first. There's been a great deal of uh, good news stories from this as well. I think it speaks too to just what a global economy we live in and a rising tide lifts not just one ship anymore. So you really need to be taking care of your neighbor in order for us to overcome this. And I think that's what we're seeing even in the capitalist markets. I mean, wouldn't it be great if the problem that was caused by globalization is then resolved by globalization? It's That's sort of what we're, it's a bit of a meta conversation I'm introducing, but I think that that's, I mean, one of the key like mega trends that was predicted early on in the COVID pandemic was localization and this idea that manufacturing would be brought back on shore and we would all figure out how to 3D print everything we would ever need. But I think the other dual track of that is a mega trend could be unprecedented collaboration, open data, uh, this idea around just having to live and be a global citizen in order for us to, to be okay. It's exciting time for science as well. Um, first of all, if we come back to the specifics of the vaccine, um, having to understand that you know researchers and, and, and scientists are working on, on, on multiple strands. There are several different types of actual uh, vaccines being worked on. The Russian vaccine is not the same as the, the science behind the Chinese vaccine, for example. Um, and it, it, it may you know, spark that interest uh, a greater interest in, 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 in kind of science and biology and everything that's going on. Since the start of the pandemic, um, I think we've all found that we've become sort of amateur scientists in the sense that we have educated ourselves in things like symptoms. Um, but we also start using language that I suspect we never would have used before. I think I said efficacy before. Um, and we talk about, um, you know, viral you know, lifespans and, and this sort of thing. We talk about all becoming um, much more aware of um, the science around us and how it affects us and how it you know, affects us personally. Uh, Rory Reynolds, The National's News Editor, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. You can see all of your team and the wider National's coverage of COVID-19 and other stories at thenational.ae. Uh, Kelsey Warner, co-host and future editor, thanks for being with us as well. Good to be here. Here are some of the other stories at thenational.ae. A new $60 million venture capital fund in Bahrain will invest in 120 early-stage startups in the Middle East and North Africa region over the next three years. British Airways announced that its chief executive, Alex Cruz, is stepping down with immediate effect. And cybercriminals have left some Robinhood app users with looted accounts. 
that's it for today. If you've enjoyed this show, please do subscribe. Uh, you can email us at malrawi at thenational.ae if you have any comments or questions. All that remains is to thank Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison, our production team, and you all for listening. Please do join us again next time.